friends. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. One of the things that I talk about in our Mastermind program is how there is no passing or failing in our program. And it typically stumps our students, even after they read about this before they ever join our mastermind program. It takes them a while to get this concept under their under their belts. And I do understand when we come to something like biblical counseling training, a training program, or any academic education environment, we always think in the realm of passing and failing because that's how traditional academic environments work. The academic institution is appealing for the students to make a, a good grade. And I am saying that making a good grade exclusively could be one of the worst things that could ever happen to, well, to any of our students in our biblical counseling program. And the reason for that is, is because we are developing leaders, and leadership cannot be interpreted in a singularity type of way, meaning you just have the answers. Learning the answers Learning how to apply the Bible to anybody's life is only a partial fulfillment of what it takes to be a good biblical counselor. And that's why I say that there's no passing and failing in our program, meaning that you have to get an A in order to pass or, or an A, B, C, whatever, and then if you get an E, you fail. No, that is not how we function within our mastermind environment. We want to make sure, we absolutely want to make sure that they have the right information. And the right information in my world is a sufficiency of Scripture worldview. We want to make sure that they are theologically train, that they have a solid theological foundation, and then they build upon that how to apply the Bible practically into people's lives. Now, that all fits within the realm of an academic environment. Learning the Bible, being excellent exegetes of Scripture, and knowing how to apply it practically in people's lives. But that is the singular approach, and you can you can make an A in those things. You can be, you can be an outstanding theologue, uh, but we are looking more than that. We're, we're, we, that is a singular dimension, and I think it, would, it could be a giant fail, honestly, if all we gave people were the facts about biblical counseling. And so we are developing leaders, which means they have to have more than the right information. And so in addition to education, in addition to trying to fill up the competence bucket. We're also looking at other areas as well, like character and compassion and courage. And you can use those four C's as a four-legged stool to describe our mastermind program. And so, yes, we want to grow them in their competence. And I'm interpreting or defining that as being theologues, being 
theology students and also being psychology students, meaning the study of the soul and the purest form of psychology is the application of God's Word to the soul of an individual. And so we want to grow in education as far as theology and grow in education as far as applying theology to people's lives. But we're looking for more than that. And that's why, honestly, you cannot pass or fail in our program if you're interpreting fail, passing, and failing in the historical education environment. And so I want to talk about that in this podcast. This is episode 283. I have a lot of information in these show notes, and the title of this particular episode, 283, is why our counselor training program is unlike any other Now, maybe there are others that are like this, and if they are, well, praise God. I want to hear about it. Tell me, write me, let me know that yours is like this as well. But in my experience in biblical counselor training specifically, it's really more about learning the facts. Most biblical counseling training organizations focus on teaching their students the correct facts about the Bible and counseling. Counselors must know how to counsel by using the right information, but counselors need much more than that. And the academic mindset is just that singular approach that could lead, honestly, to horrific results in the counseling office. Now, this also applies to pastoral training as well, because we do a similar thing. We we send our pastors to these uh, academic institutions, which are fantastic academic institutions, but the, again, they have primarily a singular approach, teaching them homiletics and hermeneutics and, and ST, systematic theology, and all of those things are critical. I would never downgrade or downplay any of those things, but because we're, we're running, running them through these programs, there is not enough time for hands-on customized training, and that's the thing that, that's one of the things that sets us apart from other training institutions. Each student is in a silo Uh, in a sense, and and they're trained in a customized way. Most biblical counseling training organizations, they just, just, it's more of a buckshot approach where you go to the conference or you go to the, the weekend meeting and you receive the facts and then you apply it. And that is a, again, the the academic type training, and it is an inferior model, especially when what you're teaching people is how to interact with hurting souls, because ultimately that is the end goal of all of this training. The end goal of the training is is that the biblical counselor is sitting across from a hurting, struggling, confused soul that needs help. And that person needs more than facts. It is soul care providing that you are doing. It's not robots that are exporting information from one robot to the next. And that's why the academic mindset as a singular approach for training biblical counselors could lead to horrific results in the counseling office. And so when a student 
comes to or a person comes to us and they enroll as a student in our mastermind program, I do believe that we give them an outstanding education. And it, it is a three-pronged education of theology, psychology, as I interpret and explain that word, and then application. And so they learn the core of theology and then they learn sanctification conceptually or psychology, and as I explain it. And then then they learn how to apply those two things into people's lives, and so that is the, the academic aspect of our training. But we have to assess our students more than that. Uh, for example, let me, give you, let me give you four illustrations. Suppose a student struggled with fear of man. Now, we all struggle with fear of man. That is a universal malady our internal sense of shame that comes in our Adamic package. And then, of course, we're shaped to be insecure by our relationships, specifically within our childhood, more specifically within our homes, many times with more specificity with our relationship with our human fathers. And so through the shaping influences of our lives, plus what is native in us through our Adamic fallenness, we are insecure people, or what the Bible calls fear of man. Well, I need to know if I, I need to know to what degree our students struggles with insecurity or with fear of man. Because if they struggle with fear of man, and now you're in a counseling situation and you need to speak the truth to someone, and you're insecure, you're going to withhold the truth. It's going to be hard for you. This is the courage aspect that I was speaking of earlier. I gave you a four-legged stool. I said competence, which is the education aspect, but there's also character and compassion and courage. Well, if, if, if our student was insecure, I need to know that if they struggled with fear of man, because I know at some future date they're going to be sitting across from a counselee and there'll be things that they see in their lives, and they won't have the courage to speak those things. And then also, another effect of a person who's insecure is that they can also be harsh and angry. Insecure people, one of these synonyms or one of the side effects to uh, fear of man is the uh, angry person that they put off and put off and put off, and then finally they just blow up in front of the person. And so there's two extremes here that you can have with a person who struggles with insecurity. One, they won't say what they need to say, and then finally when they do say it, they say it in a an uncompassionate way. Again, another aspect to our training, competence and character and compassion and courage, and compassion and courage are both wrapped up in this problem of fear of man. And one of the ways that I can assess that even within our own training program is how they interact with me, because virtually every student struggles with fear of man because of, of the teacher, you know, it's the, it's the fear of pastor problem, the fear of teacher problem, in this case, the fear of Rick problem. And so when they come into our program, how they interact with me, these are assessment points that will help me to care for them in a more effectual way. And so one of the things that we're looking for with our students, to what degree do they struggle with fear of man? That's just one illustration. Here's another. Suppose the student procrastinated. Most of our students do procrastinate. Well, guess what? Procrastination is a, a serious sin issue. Imagine this. 
if a, if a student procrastinated, I would need to get inside of that and find out why they are putting things off. Because you would not be able to trust that person when it comes to difficult things. When difficult things come up, let's say in a counselee's life, and if the habit of the counselor is to put off difficult things or things that they don't want to do or things that they're uncomfortable doing or things that they do not prefer to do, if they have a habit of putting these things off, well, when they get into a counseling situation, especially difficult counseling situations, and they have the sin of procrastination habitualized in their life, well, then that's not going to go well, especially with your more difficult counselees. And so we're looking at fear of man slash insecurity. We're looking at procrastination. Here's another one. Suppose the student could not manage the program consistently. Well, part of this would be decision-making. Why did you decide to do the program in the first place? But then you get in the program, and you can't manage it in a consistent in a consistent way. Well, we're talking about organization, and we're talking about consistency. Both of those things are actually at the heart of the gospel, God is an organized God. You, you see the redemptive plan organized throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You also see God's consistency, as we're told in Hebrews, as one place. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But let's suppose that a student takes on our mastermind training and then can't manage it consistently and can't organize their time well. Well, if a person doesn't know how to manage their time, they will have a hard time balancing family, priorities, and counselees' unending request. You see, a person doesn't know how to organize and be consistent. Imagine when they get into the throes of, of counselees that are making demands of them or putting pressure on them to uh, speak to my teenager and to get my teenager to change or to speak to my husband because their urgency and the failure in their family all of a sudden is tossed on the counselor and this counselor doesn't have organizational ability and they're not consistent in their own lives and they procrastinate or they struggle with insecurity. Do you see the accumulation of problems inside this counselor's heart that will Will, uh, this student, mastermind student's heart that will work out in future counselees, again, always the end goal. And so we want to do more than just give them education. We want to look at these other indicators, too, that will help us to discern if this person is could actually be a good counselor or not. And by the way, when they come into our program, rarely do they have, well, in fact, none of them have ever had this type of, of advanced gifting that would put you in front of a counselee sometime in the future to be a good quality biblical counselor. But So we're not looking at the perfection of any of these things, because some of you could be listening to this podcast and think, well, snap. I struggle with some of those things. I guess I couldn't do the mastermind program. No, you, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. If you come into the program with the perfection of all of this stuff, there would be no need for you to come into the program. But what we look with our students is we're looking for the presence of these things. Do they have the presence of the gifting that's necessary to sit in front of a counselee? 
How well are they working through? How well are they mastering some of these liabilities, some of these sin issues that I have mentioned? And so there will be the presence of some of these problems, and there will also be the presence of their ability to work through these problems. If the only thing we look for in a student were the right answers, we would miss these character development issues like insecurity and temptations and habits and procrastination and organization and priorities. Counseling is much more than giving the right answers. It's the role for seasoned leaders. And our training program is a leadership development course. And so in addition to providing a a world-class curriculum, and I do believe that this is a world-class curriculum as far as biblical counseling training is concerned. I mean, I I know it sounds kind of shameless. It's not a humble brag. I mean, it's a straight-up brag, I guess. But I do believe this, that our curriculum is that good. But part of it is because you can't separate the academic part away from those other three indicators of courage and con- c- compassion. And um, my mind just went blank for a second, but courage and compassion and character, you can't separate those out. And so when you look at our training program, you're, you're looking at it from that fourfold perspective. And so in addition to providing a world-class curriculum for our students, we go beyond giving them the right answers. You see, what I want to do is I want to learn the student's strengths and weaknesses, tendencies, behaviors, likes, and dislikes. And as I can learn strengths, weaknesses, tendencies, behaviors, likes, dislikes, it will help me to serve them better. It will also give indicators as to what they can do well and what they cannot do well. Did you know that God did not create all Christians equally? God did not create all biblical counselors equally. Somebody needs to come along. Now, it's not just me. We have uh, three supervisors at this juncture in our ministry. And so somebody needs to come along and, and to be willing to do the hard thing. By the way, if I couldn't, if our supervisors couldn't do the very things that I'm critiquing here about our students, then we have no business being supervisors. We too need compassion, and, and we need courage, and we need character, and we need competency because we know that God did not create all Christians equally, and God did not create all biblical counselors equally And that is the problem with so many of these training organizations is you go through down this training path and the result is the same for every individual. You get a certificate. But nobody is saying that, well, no, actually all of these people are different. But it doesn't appear different because they got the same training got the same certificate, and there's no distinguishing between any individual. And it's just not biblical. I'm not saying it's unbiblical. I am saying it's sub-biblical. It's not unbiblical, but it's sub-biblical. We can do much better than that. In most biblical counseling training programs, the student receives the information 
And then after they receive the information, they parrot the information back to their trainer to prove that they know the information. That is an inferior academic model that teaches facts alone. Are we developing leaders because good biblical counselors need much more than Bible information? Now, let me give you an illustration of it from an assignment within our program that students have to do. One of their assignments, they have to do a report. The student has to read five articles from our website that are collected, collated, They have to read these five articles, and they have to apply it to their lives. And this assignment has a word count of 250 to 300 words. They have to come somewhere between 250 to 300 words. We do not tell them anything else about the assignment. And so here's the three parts of the assignment. You have to read five articles, which is 10,000 words, by the way. Most of them are... All five of them that would equal about 10,000 words. So one, you have to read five articles. Two, you have to make a personal application. And then three, you have to hit the word count, somewhere between 250 and 300 words. And virtually uh, every student, when they come into our program, they struggle with this assignment. It's kind of straightforward. Read five articles, make a personal application, and, and give us a specific word count. And the reason that we keep it as specific and vague as that is because, honestly, I'm looking for a whole lot more than just getting this assignment right. And so a person could read five articles, they can make a personal application, and they can give me a a 298-word count. I got it right. Well, okay, that would be right if that was all I was looking for. Let me give you a, a list of some of the things that I'm looking for in addition to hitting those three marks. How well do they apply it personally? That's one of the things I'm looking at. And many of them struggle this way, that they don't know how to do introspection. They don't know how to make personal application. Number two, how frustrated do they get doing the assignment? One of our graduates just, we were talking about this the other day, one of our graduates said, I remember when I was doing this assignment and I would be staring at my computer and I would just be yelling, I need more information than this. Now, I don't know if they were actually yelling, yelling, but they were definitely communicating the frustration that they had with the assignment. How frustrated did they get with the assignment? Number three, some students, they do not say enough. Some students will barely make 250 words. And then some students, which is most, they talk too much. They have a hard time saying just two, uh, 300 words. And then some students use filler, like quotes and scriptures, so they can meet the word count. That's the fun one. Like, um, you know, William Cooper uh, said this, or John Newton said this, or Jonathan Edwards said this, and then they gave me a quote. I don't want to hear from all the great dead people in the world. I want to hear from the student. Or others will use scripture. They'll just write out verses, and then that will meet the word count. Okay, well, that's a way to do the assignment. And then here's another one. Some students repeat themselves. They'll say the same thing. Now, many of them don't hear themselves saying the same thing, but they do. They say the same thing. But these are some of the things I'm looking at when they, when they do this assignment. And the reason for being less directive is because we're looking for more than just telling them what to do, and they parrot back the right answers. 
This assignment that I just described to you is like a counseling session. Let me illustrate. A counselee comes into you, comes to you, and they give you a data dump of information. Ten thousand words, and they just give you a data dump. The mastermind assignment is typically the student reading ten thousand words, as I mentioned, and then the student has to apply it in three hundred words. Personally, have to apply it in three hundred words. I just described to you a counseling session. You see, what you don't want to do is that when the counselee dumps a lot of data on you, you have to sift through that data. You have to sift through those 10,000 words, and you have to find the most vital point, not 15 points from all that information, because the counselee is not going to be able to retain that. And so you don't give them, and you don't give them the same word count back. They gave me ten thousand words, so I'm going to give them ten thousand words back. You don't do that because they can't retain all that information. And so this assignment is is a snapshot of what a counseling session looks like. And so what I'm looking for is how pneumatic is the student, how discerning is the student, how insightful, how comfortable is the student working in a less direct way, meaning how comfortable is the student meeting with a counselee without a script. Here, here's 10,000 words, and I'm not going to give you any more information. You have to discern all this yourself. You have to draw out the vital point yourself. You have to make personal application yourself. How comfortable are you doing that? There's uncertainty in this lesson. There is uncertainty with every counseling session because no counseling session is scripted. We must know if the student is a leader as much as we want to give them the right answer. Some students think it's the homework that we are assessing most of all. Actually, it's not true. It's everything else that we're looking at, and the homework actually comes in last. I've mentioned some of those words to you already. I mean, how pneumatic are they? How discerning? How insightful? How comfortable are they? How wise are they? We're looking for all of those things, not just, not just the right answers. I take leadership development seriously, and I want to serve the students in the most effective way. But I won't, know, I won't be able to do that if I don't know them. And besides them being the best that they can be academically, we want to make sure that we have truly uncovered where they are from a character perspective, from a compassion perspective, from a courageous perspective, because it's always about the counselee. I don't want them to go through a training track and get all the information and come out on the other end and get a certificate and say that they are a biblical counselor. And all that they have received is academic training. Now, each student needs hands-on, customized training. If the student is insecure, temperamental, stubborn, divisive, inconsistent, can't calendar plan, doesn't keep commitments, needs hand-holding, fill in the blank. I need to know this because ultimately we're releasing these people to hurting souls. And that's too important to me. And if a student comes in and they don't make it, 
And uh, we tell them, I mean, by, as they get toward the end of the program, I give them an honest assessment of where I believe that they are because God did not create, create all counselors and all Christians equally. Character, we want to know the kind of person that this individual is. It's important for us to try to discern that. Compassion, we want to know if they exhibit patience and kindness with others. Courage, do they have a backbone to do hard things? And then, of course, number four, competence. Do they have the academic training to be a biblical counselor? Now, for those of you who are interested in learning about our Mastermind program, well, there's a link here, and you can read that information, and as you, that's your first assignment, and you can go through it. I know as we're moving toward the first of the year, I'm doing this uh, episode at the end of December of 2020. Uh, those of you who are making New Year's resolutions, maybe this is something that's been on your heart, and you need to be a nudge. Uh, you need a nudge. One of our students, I, I've heard this before, but it was just said recently, our, our new student, one of our newer students said, I do appreciate how you make it hard for people to come in. And, and what she meant by that, we don't make it hard. You could just walk right in the door. That's easy. But we're very honest with what we're doing here. And we do want people to come in with their eyes wide open. And if this does intimidate you, well, then, then you're not, the end result cannot be, you cannot be a, a seasoned biblical counselor if you are afraid of being assessed. But for those of you who have been on the fence about this for a while and you haven't making, taken the plunge, I would encourage you to do it. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.